Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the second ever edition of The Walkthrough. Uh, I'm Jamie with The Lightning Round. My special guest here is Jason Aponte. He's with uh, Niners Nation, uh, works with our old friend uh, Kyle Posey. And Jason's here to talk about the 49ers with us. So you guys kind of know the routine. We're going to chat a little bit about the 49ers. We're going to talk about their camp position battles, some, some schematic questions, um, maybe some UDFAs, some surprise cuts, things like that, and just kind of get to know the 49ers a little bit heading into the, the final preseason matchup. You ready, Jason? Absolutely, Jamie. Thank you for having me, man. You're very welcome. Thanks for being on. So let's go ahead and just talk a little bit about camp. Um, How is the 49ers camp been going? What, uh, what, if any, surprises have you seen in terms of guys – you know, kind of playing above what was expected of them or below what was expected of them. Um, how have things been going? Well, this camp uh, particularly feels a little bit different because Kyle Shanahan's kind of run a tight ship in which it's it's physicality over everything, right? And I think he's seen a little bit of that come to fruition during the season with a lot of injuries. Obviously, the number one thing that you're missing is that Nick Bosa is not there, which Kyle Shanahan spoke today and said he kind of felt that it's going the way that he expects it. I'm not certain that I believe that, but, you know, leave it to Kyle Shanahan to kind of downplay what's going on as well, too. I also believe that Nick Bosa will return. But in terms of kind of Kyle evolving a little bit, it's more about, one, getting Brock Purdy back into shape and getting him back um, in the routine as he, you know, returns from the UCL injury. But also, I think that the camp kind of felt a little bit lighter. I think when you look at the culture and you look at the way the 49ers are viewed, they're viewed as a team that's very physical. They're viewed as a team that will try to punish you, but you don't have to kill each other during training camp anymore. And I think Kyle Shanahan is starting to learn that. So as of right now, the 49ers have very minimal injuries. But 
in the same in the same breath and same regard. You do want to get guys ramped up. So I feel like this training camp, as opposed to others under Kyle Shanahan, feels a little bit lighter. And a lot of guys are taking time off. Christian McCaffrey's not practicing as much. George Kittle hasn't been there. You really haven't seen too much of, you know, those guys in preseason aside from this one game. And, and they probably will play in the dress rehearsal on Friday against the Chargers. But I think you're you're just trying to see a team that feels like they know what they're doing. They have their pretty much out of their 22 positions, 19 of them completely solidified. Like they know who they are. And they're really just looking to get back to where they were last year with minimal injuries to start the season. So you kind of mentioned two of the bigger storylines for training camp. You mentioned Nick Bosa, obviously the linchpin of that defense. He kind of makes it not kind of, he makes everything go right on defense. And you mentioned Brock Purdy. So why don't you give us a little, a little insight in terms of Bosa, where, where they're at with contract extensions, what they're expecting from him in terms of a return and how Purdy's first full season as the starting court or off season as a starting quarterback has gone so far. Yeah, as far as Nick Bosa, it sounds like he wants to be the highest paid defender in the league. And and I think anybody who's monitored the league understands that whenever you're up for any sort of contract and you're at the top of your game, you get it. And then the next person will break that record, right? Like it's every single time that someone signs, someone else will come right behind it. But Nick Bosa's kind of earned the right, especially with this, this little clause because of his fifth year option. He doesn't get fined in any way um, because it's still his rookie contract. He won't get fined from being away from the team. Today, social media was ablaze with the fact that Nick Bosa was in New York where his agent is actually located. So was he there to, you know, talk numbers and everything as well, too? I think, again, whatever you're hearing about the contract situation, whether they're millions of dollars apart, I think it really just boils down to the way the 49ers structure their contracts. Many times they want to backload the contracts so they can get away from from paying big money up front and being able to still hold on to certain players as well, too. They've, they've done it numerous times with many players. George Kittle, like, you know, the, the contract tolls later on. And Nick Bosa is going to get what he deserves. I, I still truly, in my heart of hearts, you know, and, and when I speak to people who are, you know, are in the know and know a little bit more than I do, that they will get it done. But Nick Bosa deserves to sit around and, and get whatever it is that he wants because of his play and. To be fair, he's never played in any preseason game since he's been a 49er. So why would that change now? But I, I do think that they will eventually get it done now. How close to week one? What happens in week one? Is he ramped up, ready to go? Those are the questions that you need to ask. But if you're if you're having a worry meter, right now it might be at a four um, as to where it was zero the entire time when it comes to me believing that Nick Bosa was going to be a 49er and he will be for a long time. As far as Brock Purdy goes, I think – uh, the team has been telling you exactly how they feel about him. Look, regardless of what they've invested in Trey Lance, regardless of them taking a, a reclamation project on Sam Darnold, it's always going to be Brock Purdy based on the way that you saw him perform at the end of the year for better or worse. Will that continue? Not sure. Last week, uh, or better yet, it was actually on Saturday, he looked like the guy and that offense looked like the team that you saw towards the end of the year. So for better or worse right now, he seems to be fine. He can practice. He has no limitations. He looks like the guy who was operating the offense at a high level. He'll have all those weapons. They're all healthy. It looks like Debo Samuel is back to his 2021 shape, uh, which is great for this team as well. So Brock's the guy. You know, the question surrounding the 49ers, and I think more from 49er fans on Twitter or X or whatever it is that you want to call it, Jamie. I'm, I'm a little confused <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, I've lost too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, but it, it's really more about, well, Brock Purdy has a small sample size of eight games. Trey Lance has only played four or five games. 
do you not go back to the young man that was the starter before he broke his ankle? But I think when you listen to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, what Brock Purdy put on tape was too hard to ignore. It's too hard to go away from, especially when the 49ers were putting up points in a way that they haven't since Steve Young was quarterback. And, you know, again, we're going to find out how this plays out. You know, a, a lot of guys come in and they play very well. And we, we all know Kyle Shanahan's offense is going to have guys running wide open. But Brock Purdy seems to be quarterback one and has been for a long time. So, I mean, uh, a lot of people are excited to see this offense, to see it get back to where it was at the end of the year uh, before the playoffs started. Because in the playoffs, obviously, there's better defenses and they're going to key in and you have better defensive coordinators and the talent gets a little bit higher. But there's still a little bit of a bad taste in the 49ers' mouths about the way the NFC Championship went down with the uh, quarterback injuries as well, too. So they feel like there's a little bit of unfinished business when it comes to this team. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about scheme. I know, um, obviously, Trey Lance and Brock Purdy are very different quarterbacks in terms of their skill sets, what they do well, things they struggle with. So what what kind of changes do you think Kyle Shanahan will implement in the 49ers offensive scheme to better suit Brock Purdy now that they they kind of know what they're dealing with and they've got him entrenched as that starting quarterback going into the season? And on the flip side, what kind of things do you think defenses will be looking to do to attack Brock Purdy. Yeah, I think, again, with Kyle Shanahan, he showed you a little bit um, with the first drive against the Denver Broncos, a lot of the play-action misdirection in which, you know, you have Debo Samuel running across the formation while you're showing you're showing play-action to one side, and you come back and you, you get the ball in your hands of your playmakers and make them make plays, right? Like, Brock Purdy is the one who keeps this offense on schedule. Downfield may not be the thing that is his strong suit, even though you saw him attack downfield more than any quarterback has, whether that be Jimmy Garoppolo, but not only attack, execute. So with Kyle Shanahan, everything is about mismatches. How do I get some of my best weapons against your mismatches, right? Can I get can I get Debo Samuel in the slot against one of your linebackers? Can I get Brandon Ayuk coming across the formation and cause some mismatches in terms of communication? Um, or do I see something that you're doing with zones where I can come across and I can bring uh, I can bring in a big over route on the top with, with Kittle. And and obviously the crux of all of this is just running the football and using play action to suck linebackers up and then just go the other way and then just throw it behind their heads. When it comes to what defenses would do, I think you kind of saw a little bit of it with the Dallas Cowboys in which they have a lurk or a robber um, over the top. You know, again, you show too high, but you, you switch at the last second to a, a single high and you have a guy who's ready to take away those crossing routes. So you make Brock Purdy try to beat you outside the numbers. I think that would be probably the best way to do it at this point because of the way that, you know, Debo Samuel, who, while we love him, is a guy who isn't exactly a refined route runner. He's a guy, he's a football player. Just give him the ball and, and let him get out of people, you know, get through people. But the lurk or robber thing is, I think, something that's going to be a little bit more prevalent when you see what goes on. And if you're able to generate pressure up front while taking away those crossing routes, because Purdy has to kind of see it. I think that's what you'll see a little bit. I think, I think Dan Quinn was very successful with the lurk robber concept and what he was running a little bit more um, against uh, Purdy. And you kind of saw, obviously they have Michael Parsons up front and they have, you know, a, a bunch of dogs up front that can get after the quarterback. But I do think it's the idea of disguising. You look, you, you know, the, the whole, the whole concept is about two outside corners who are, are playing you, outside so they can get you to run inside using the the boundary as another corner basically getting you to run inside but getting you to try and not see the lurker lurker whether it be the the strong safety or free safety who's going to be up top um trying to take away those crossing routes so it's going to be interesting to see how Purdy adjusts when they try to go to those things 
Is there a particular coverage right now that Purdy struggles with more than others? And is there a, um, I just lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> uh, let's go, let's talk coverages. What, yeah. what kind of, Oh, I know what it was. Is there a particular kind of coverage that Purdy struggles with? And is he still at a point where he needs to see it to throw it? Or is he kind of anticipating where guys are going to be open? No, I think he's actually done a great job of anticipating. And if you're talking about coverages, I think he actually understands, you know, cover two, cover three. I think he understands those things. It's the man press stuff, right? Like if you have guys on the outside who can cover and actually can stick with guys, you, you can run man press robber. So now you've got on the back end of safety, but you've also got guys that are still in position to be able to cover. They can cover nine routes and sevens and they can still get there. Um, I think he needs to, he needs to at least have a bit of separation before he lets it rip. But I, I wouldn't worry about anticipation so much. I think that's one of the things that I'm super impressed with him about. He is a high IQ guy. High IQ guy. He is a bit of a gunslinger. He's going to put the ball in harm's way at times. He's going to let it rip. And I think that's kind of what people are a little bit nervous about is at times it looks like he gets away with some of those throws. So it just goes as an incompletion, but it's a turnover worthy throw. So I think it would be probably be man press at this point. I really think that he's fine, especially if a team wants to continuously run zone. I think Kyle Shanahan has a bunch of zone beaters where he he can run uh, many things like, you know, uh, the drift route with uh, Debo is one of the, the ones that comes to mind. He has ways to get around that. But as far as like, as far as Purdy, if you have two cover corners that can actually stick with the outside guys and you're dropping that robber in there in the middle and you're you're getting that pressure up front, I think that's a little bit where not only him, many quarterbacks would struggle, but somebody with only eight games is, is kind of how I would try to attack him at this point. Um, I got to talk about Brandon Ayuk. I'm a, uh -huh. I'm a Sun Devil myself. I nice. love Brandon Ayuk. He's a guy that I really wanted the Chargers to draft when they traded up for Kenneth Murray a couple years ago. So talk to me a little bit about his development, how his offseason's going, and what he's looking like in terms of his role in the offense this year. I mean, he's clearly the best receiver on this team. And that's no slight to Debo Samuel. I think Debo Samuel is an incredible football player, still one of the best in the world. But I think as far as pure route running, I think it's Brandon Ayuk. I kind of knew the switch went on last year at training camp when there was a big fight between him and Fred Warner. And it almost felt like Brandon Ayuk was staking his claim as, I'm a leader on this team. You will not bully us. And it turned into his best season. I mean, the young man constantly, these last two training camps, constantly beats whoever's in front of him. He's getting savvier and savvier with his routes. He's uh, he just he finds himself open all the time. And, uh, you know, on that first drive uh, against the Denver Broncos, he just running like a quick little slant and he's by himself and the, and the ball's there. The development has been real. It's always been there. The only really thing that he had to overcome was Shanahan's doghouse which I don't know how you get in. I don't really know how some people get out, but Brandon Ayuk found a way to get out. Um, and it really, the crux of it was Kyle Shanahan was trying to show him how to practice like a professional and run as fast as he can. And also the run blocking thing, like no block, no rock. And that's exactly how it is. But as of right now, Brandon Ayuk this season has a chance to stake a claim as a top 10 wide receiver because last year was a his career highs but I feel like there's still meat on the bone right there for him. And I think that he still has a little bit more to grow. It's like you're watching the development, but he still hasn't hit his ceiling. And, you know, on top of that career, you know, um, contract year, he wants to get paid, whether it's with the 49ers or not, you know, always bet on a, a young man who has a contract year and ha has been ascending. I, I, It's been a joy to watch Brandon Ayuk develop. And whether he's a 49er or not, 
I'm going to root for him wherever he goes because he's just incredible at what he does. Talk to me a little bit about the defense. I know you guys lost Robert Saul a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how has the defense evolved, and how do you think opposing offenses will be looking to attack the defense this year? Yeah, I think there is going to be a bit of a I don't I don't want to say drop off, but there's definitely a change, right? Like D'Amico Ryan's moves on, and he goes to Houston. He was notorious for his second half adjustments and he's been great at that being able to and being able to game plan specifically to personnel like running out a rookie running a rookie cornerback against the the Cincinnati Bengals okay we're not going to put him in any spots where Jamar Chase can get him one-on-one we're either going to run cover three or we're going to shade a safety to his side and we're still not going to lose any sort of integrity and be able to cover everywhere I think Steve Wilkes is here now He's a bit of a defensive, uh, a, a secondary guy. You know, I, I think that's really where his his bread and butter is. I think what you're going to see a little bit more is a lot more aggressive blitzing from those guys with Talanoa Hufanga. You know, they they drafted Jair Brown out of Penn State. That's somebody who they want to play just like uh, Hufanga. You know, Gibson's obviously there. Tashawn Gibson had a great season. He's really just somebody who is, not, I don't want to say a placeholder because that feels disrespectful, but it feels like he's a veteran right there who can play on the back end and savvy and, and can make plays on the ball. But I think what you're going to see a little bit more from Steve Wilkes is you're going to see more pressure being sent. D'Amico never really blitzed as much because you've got all those guys up front. You've got Javon Hargrave now, who is probably the, the number one free agent out there on either side of the ball, and the 49ers shocked the NFL world by signing him as soon as they could. But I do think that you're going to see a little bit more. Now, whether that's blitzing Greenlaw or Warner or Hufanga or even playing the three-safety look with Brown, Gibson, and Hufanga, you're going to see a lot more aggra- aggression from Steve Books, I believe, in my opinion, on top of the fact that if you wanted to just rush forward with you know, Drake Jackson, Bosa, Hargrave, and Armstead, you probably would get home. But I do think you're going to see a little bit more of a change in terms of aggression on blitzes. Where's the weakness? The first two levels of that defense are ridiculous. Where, yeah. How would you attack that defense if you're an offensive coordinator? I think it's got to be in the secondary. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily Mooney Ward, but I think the other three spots, you're actually looking at guys who kind of bite a little bit on double moves. And now the 49ers are kind of playing shuffle with Diamador Lenoir on the outside. Will he play inside? Will Embry Thomas play outside? And, you know, Tarno Hufunga was an all-pro but he was susceptible to either being sucked in by play action or double moves. And you can take, you can take your shots on them. It's actually the secondary. If you get a shot, if you get a second, you, you get a, a wide receiver like a Devonte Adams or somebody who's really quick and they, they bite on one of those routes. That's the reason, like that's the give and take of, of turning the ball over the give and take is you can turn the ball over because you're jumping routes and you're anticipating. But what happens when they're running sluggos and you go and you try to jump that route and now he's behind you? It's too late now. Like and and now you're giving up big plays. I think you saw a little bit more explosive plays towards the end of the season when there was more tape on the fact that okay we can bait Hufanga into jump, uh, jumping up because he's trying to come up on the ball or we can get Diamandola Lenore one on one with a guy and we can make a move or you know we can get somebody from the slot on someone else like you know as as good as fred warner is former safety same with dre greenlaw you know those guys do a great job you know and there's there's plenty of instances where fred warner will take you know a number one wide receiver in a slot and carry him 30 yards up the field which is incredible for any linebacker but i've got to say it's the secondary i I think you if you're going to attack you have to attack whoever's the opposite corner of of charverius ward and you have to try to you know take your shots and bait talano hufunga into trying to jump up and be a ball hawk and using that knowledge against him that he wants to make plays. So if you're going to be aggressive, you also have to be able to make sure that you're you're short-footed, and I think that's where you can attack them. 
So you're talking double moves, throw the ball down the field, five to seven step drops, which is a challenge in and of itself with that front seven. So good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's not really many weaknesses, but again, like you have to really think about it. Like you said, the first two levels, there's not really too much that you can do, right? Like you're not going to attack Warner. You're not going to attack Greenlaw. And it, it really just boils down to, where else can you go? And it, it's not that the secondary is a weakness, but I am not going to play around with those those front four, front five, six guys. Like after that, it's got to be where you got to attack is on the back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So what are you watching this week in the final preseason game? You mentioned 19 of the 22 spots are pretty much taken care of. So which two spots are you watching the closest this week? Um, I mean, it's it's a little bit overblown because of the way the offenses are in the league are going. But uh, base defense, um, I want to see who's this third linebacker that's going to start there. Again, obviously, you're not going to be in base a ton with the way that, that offenses are spread out. You're obviously going to need a nickel on the field. Then nickel's a whole thing in itself. You know, the 49ers went out there and they signed Isaiah Oliver. Steve Wilkes called him the number one available nickel cornerback. He has not looked good thus far. And and again, that's preseason, right? Diamandola Lenore, who was somebody who came into his own at the end of last season on the outside, was probably the best slot corner guy for the 49ers. But then Emmanuel Mosley goes down. He's got to go outside. Ambry Thomas was somebody who was a third round pick, kind of felt like he was left. Not I don't want to say for dead, but nobody really thought that he was going to make this roster. Shows up a little bit in the Raiders game, and now you start to have this idea of, okay, well, maybe Diamondola North kicks inside. Maybe you have Embry Thomas outside. Really, the, the the spots that you're looking at are linebacker two, uh, linebacker three. You're looking at the nickel corner and the outside corner, which, you know, it's one and the same because it could be a, a, an instance of Diamondola North starts outside. Anytime they're in nickel, he kicks inside, and Embry Thomas maybe comes on the field so he can be the, the other boundary corner. And then right tackle. I mean, right tackle is, is you know, Mike McGlinchey leaves for Denver, and now you're you're depending on Colton McKibbitts. So can Colton McKibbitts give you that baseline that Mike McGlinchey did? I understand that a lot of 49er fans don't believe that Mike McGlinchey lived up to his no, number nine overall pick status, but you'd be hard-pressed to find, you know, right tackles that have been able to produce at least at the baseline that he has. And if you need more proof that, that you know, offensive line is a, a premium position, especially tackle – Mike McGlinchey got the bag from Denver because they needed to, to fill that spot. So um, I think it's it's just right tackle at this point. Everything else is solidified. Right tackle, linebacker three, nickel corner, outside corner. What are they going to do with all that? Every other spot is is either filled with a very good player, pro bowl player, or all pro player. The, this team is very top heavy. All right. Well, let's talk um, roster decisions. Yep. Let's talk about um, 
one or two surprise players, UDFA or otherwise, who you think have a shot at making the team, and maybe a veteran or two who you think might be on the outside looking in? Well, veterans out the outside looking in, unfortunately, Javon Kinlaw at this point. Um, it's a shame, you know, because I think Javon Kinlaw was a bit of a victim of his own draft capital. And especially when you're replacing DeForest Buckner. And then fans are always going to do the, well, you could have had Tristan Wirfs. You could have had this player. You could have had that player. Fortunately, Javon Kinlaw just hasn't been able to be healthy. Coming into this training camp, the expectations have kind of, you know, skewed away from, hey, number nine overall pick to just, hey, he needs to be a defensive rotation guy, defensive line rotation guy. And now watching him, unfortunately, as big as he is, he looks like he looks like something out of a Greek mythology book is now just turned into a guy getting blasted off the ball. And obviously they, they declined his fifth year option. It's not all his fault, but this is a results-driven business. So veterans on the outside looking in, Javon Kinlaw is the first one that I'm looking at right now in which it's like, man, I think you're kind of on the hot seat now at this point because you can scream draft capital all you want. You can talk about rotation and depth and everything all you want, but if you're not producing, you're not going to be there. Um, as far as UDFAs, I think there's not much room for many of them at this point because the 49ers did have a, a very a very backloaded draft with fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks, which I think is kind of where they shine. Um, the third round has been just has been just I don't know, just swing and miss after swing and miss. I mean, drafting Trey Sermon, um, Ty Davis Price. I mean, drafting a kicker for God's sake. Sorry, I don't even know if I can say that. Drafting a kicker in '99. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even Cameron Latu. Um, it, it, it hasn't really like right now, like Cameron Latu is looking a little bit better, but he's been struggling with drops the entire time. When you're looking on the back end, you're looking at guys like Jalen Graham. Ronnie Bell has been absolutely tearing things up out of Michigan. He looks like somebody who, if he doesn't make the 53, you're having a tough time explaining this to people. And it's less, you know, this team has been great with UDFAs. I mean, literally Jordan Mason, UDFA, he's a guy who's a, a contributor in the back and on the backfield. You know, for a while, Aziz Al-Shair was somebody who was a UDFA. Same thing with Emmanuel Mosley. All these guys moved on to play other places. And generally, there are those players. But I think on the back end of this draft in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, they've actually found those guys to fill those spots. So as much as we complain about them not having first-round picks, second-round picks, and how they miss in the third round, they kind of compensate themselves by hitting in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. So the way I'm kind of looking at it, Jamie, is, in my mind, Ronnie Bell was drafted in 99 and Jake Moody was taken at the end of the seventh round with one of the last picks. I feel <laughs> way better about it. And I love to live in that world um, as opposed to the world where Jake Moody is at 99. Um, and we still have issues with the kicking right now. I got to tell you, hearing you talk about Javon Kinlaw makes gives me PTSD to Jerry, Jerry Tillery. Right. Uh, almost the exact same description, the exact same career arc. Um Hopefully Kinlaw isn't being disruptive and being a pain in the ass like Tillery was last year before they got rid of him. But man, those first round defensive tackles, I mean, Tillery was drafted in the twenties, but for Kinlaw to be at nine and be looking at being cut in year five or heading into year four is not good. That's yeah. That's, that's a tough thing to swallow. Yeah. And the thing is, is, is the expectations have changed. Like the, you know, again, when you bring in Javon Hargrave and you already have Eric Armstead, then, you know, there's only so many spots They're they're, they're only going to be four defensive linemen, um, four down linemen. Like it's, it's, it's literally to the point where the team is just asking him to just be a rotational guy and give you something and just try to put 16, 17 games on film. And while he's healthy right now and he's getting through the chronic knee injury, 
He just looks like a guy who is just every time I see him, he's blocked further and further away from the ball. He's just not on the line of scrimmage anymore. And it's it's hard to understand. Is it technique? Is it is it is it, you know, the way he's he's attacking and, and his drive? I don't think it's any of those things. I don't think he's being disruptive at all. Um, but I do think, again, it's just at a point where there are so many people on this team that are continuing to show you things that you can't let go to practice squad or on waivers because they'll go. It's like, you know, let someone else take a shot on Javon Kinlaw and see if they can fix him. All right. Well, let's wrap up with a quick prediction here. What do you think the 49ers season looks like in terms of the regular season? And what are your postseason expectations? Well, I think, again, as long as Kyle Shanahan's the coach, there's going to be guys running wide open, which has kind of been my contention always with the quarterback position. It's just who's going to be able to let it rip. If Brock Purdy plays 17 games, I think this team is easily a 12 to 14 win team especially when you go through the way that they look on defense as well. You know, got to get Nick Bosa back. But I do want to say that there, this season f- seems to be kind of in a glass case. And what I mean by that is if the 49ers start to sustain heavy injuries at big spots of big players, they may not be able to, to sustain the winning that they have in past years. There's something about this team that feels very, very top heavy. And if any of those guys miss, extended periods of time they may not have the depth to overcome it having said that they're not paying their quarterback that's how they're able to have trent williams nick bosa fred warner like all these guys that are top end guys at their position you know the same thing with christian mccaffrey but i don't think this team can sustain uh, winning if let's say george kittle misses a bunch of games maybe christian mccaffrey doesn't play 17 like he you know this was the first year that he has in a while um god forbid trent williams goes down um, you know, maybe Nick Bosa like holds out a few games. This team is so top heavy that if they're healthy and they're fine, and we obviously notice this football, they they should win 12 to 14 games. But if they have any sort of major injury, their season could be kind of teetering on not going the way that they want. But if they win 12 games, they'll be in the playoffs. And then at that point, it's like, can you beat Philadelphia at this point? Like with the NFC. All the exodus of talent that is left, Aaron Rodgers is out now, and all these guys. It, I, I, I'm sorry, Jamie. Like the AFC is loaded. I can't it believe is. it. It's so crazy. How many teams get in seven? I don't know how you look around and say that there's definitively seven teams. Jets, Bills, Dolphins, Chargers, Chiefs. Uh, I mean, like there's just so much talent. Jacksonville's coming. There's a lot of teams in the AFC. For me, there seems to be tears in the NFC. Philadelphia, San Francisco are one and two. And then fill in the blanks wherever it is. Dallas is some is a team that obviously is going to, to contend. The Giants, the Vikings, the Seahawks, um, like the Saints. Those teams seem fun. The Lions, those teams are fun, but it's nowhere near as talent heavy as the AFC. So while the 49ers may have some injuries, they still should be in the mix of things just based on the fact that the NFC is not as loaded as it used to be. And I'm sorry, Jamie. Just everybody ran to the AFC. I don't know what it was about. I think they all did it on purpose. I wish they'd stop. I yeah. really wish they'd stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, this has been awesome. I really appreciate your time. You did a great job. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, either your personal Twitter handle or at Niners Nation, um, so they can look you up if they want to. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate it, man, and and appreciate the shout and and you know having me on. I you know absolutely love talking ball with anybody. But yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jason Aponte two one zero three. I write on Niners Nation every single day. Um, Sprint Right Option podcast with uh, Andrew Pasquini, Bully Ball podcast with Steph uh, Sanchez on the Gold Standard Podcast Network, 
And yeah, uh, you know, that's exactly where you can find all my stuff. And uh, yeah, the, the football season is back and you can find me on YouTube as well. Film breakdowns and, uh, you know, podcasts and daily shows, stuff like that. So season's here. And like, kind of like I was telling you, Jamie, I, I didn't realize that I needed football to kind of keep my life in order. And I don't know if that's a good <laughs> or bad thing, but here we are. Um, I, I think it's a. Uh, not this Thursday, the next Thursday, we'll have actual games that matter. And finally, you know, I can disconnect from having any social functions. I hear you, man. I We just spent the weekend putting together a calendar with all of our shows and games and practices. And it's crazy. Definitely. Football definitely helps with the structure for sure. 100%. All right. Well, Jason, thank you very much. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the second episode of The Walkthrough. And I hope you enjoyed Jason. And we will see you next week. Thank you, everybody.